After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I was just uh, cut to the heart reading that psalm that we just prayed when it says the Lord takes pleasure in his people. I think the Lord's given me, I believe, a word for tonight. But it, I realize it now in this moment it only makes sense in light of that verse of the psalm. The sense that the Lord takes pleasure in his people, which is you, which is us. The Lord takes pleasure in us. Everything that he charges us and encourages us, us towards, it's within this paradigm of his delight that he takes in us. Um, so I say that as a prefatory word. Um, there was a, a poet in the 19th century who converted to Christianity named Leon Bloy. Um, he once said this, the only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. The only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. Do you believe that? I think it's true. As we gather on the Feast of All Saints, um, where you know, we intentionally bring to mind um, all of those who've gone before us, who gave their lives uh, so totally to Jesus Christ that their life became a shining and radiant example of what it means to be a disciple. When we bring it to mind, you know, we refer to them with all these great epithets, right? The great cloud of witnesses. Um, there's a danger of thinking that they're some sort of special category of Christian, that there's, there's them... Uh, who are sort of destined for spiritual greatness, and then there's, there's us who are sort of destined for kind of a ho-hum average Christian life. Uh, the New Testament knows nothing about a ho-hum average Christian life. Uh, we are all called to be saints. We are all called to take our place among this great multitude which John describes in this incredible vision from Revelation. We're all called to be clothed in white, having been washed thoroughly by the blood of Jesus. And uh, to fail to attain this high calling is a tragedy. I think Leon Bloy hit, the, hit it on the head with that, that it is a tragedy. Because we haven't just been called to be saints, we've actually been equipped to be saints, right? God's actually given us his Holy Spirit to guide our souls from the inside, as it were, to fulfill this high calling. St. Paul, we, as we heard, wrote to the Ephesians, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. He is kind of the connecting link between the life we live now and who we hope to become and who will be in heaven forever. And that's really where we see where the tragedy lies. Because we've been such a great, given such a great gift, if we fail to attain to what God has called us to, um, it's sort of like, you know, there's so many anecdotes of this, right? Um, a student who is incredibly gifted intellectually and then squanders it by not working hard. Uh, or an athlete who has, shows real prowess and isn't willing to train and so never actually makes it to uh, any great athletic accomplishment. The sad truth is that so many Christians receive the infinite God into their life and then kind of squander it or do very little with it. Not attaining to the saintly life we're called to. And even though you know God 
surrounds us with every possible advantage, right? Not only do we have the Holy Spirit, as if that weren't enough, we have the fellowship of the church, uh, of living Christians for encouragement. Uh, We have the witness of the saints from the past to give us clear examples of what it looks like to follow God. We have the opportunity to read the Bible in our own language, right? We've been celebrating Reformation. The whole church has been remembering the 500th anniversary of the Reformation this week. I mean, we got the Bible in, like most of you probably own more than one Bible. We have that in our hands. We get to have communion every Sunday. We have access to God himself every time we pray, right? We have every possible opportunity uh, to become a saint. Uh, And what do we do with it? Despite all these things, how few Christians actually ever become saints, which I think is a tragedy. And I think we should study to avoid that tragedy. And that's all I'll offer just a couple thoughts on tonight. What can we do uh, to avoid the tragedy of not becoming a saint? Um, The first thing is uh, really quite simple. I think we need to try harder. (laughs) One of the desert fathers, one of the holy saints of old says, um, we don't make progress in the Christian life because we do not realize how much we can do. We lose interest in the work we've begun and we want to be good without even trying. I read that a couple of years ago and it just kind of tore me open. I think about how many hours I will spend diligently studying something I'm interested in or practicing or laboring towards. Um, and yet when it comes to the faith, I sort of think, well, I have one good intention for about 20 seconds. Okay, God, make me perfect. <laughs> right? I mean, nothing in life is that fast or easy. And I, and I want to be really clear. Um, when I say try harder, uh, I don't at all mean like, try harder to be righteous or try harder to please God. Um, That's a demonic, false religion. That's not Christianity, right? We've already been given the full righteousness of Christ. So it's not try harder and like, try and be perfect, try and climb your way to God, nothing like that. Um, It's try harder in the sense of, try harder to really give your heart to God. Try harder to mean the words that you pray. Try harder to, to seek out God's will for your life and, and to obey. Right? It, it's, it, and it, all of that effort is with the Holy Spirit's help necessarily, asking for his help. But still, I think um, you know, we, we receive the great truth of free salvation in Jesus, again, made polished off and made crystal clear through the teaching of the great reformers. Um, but we then misstep if we say, well, now I don't need to exert any effort at all. Uh, I think we, we need to try better. I'm speaking to myself. We won't become saints without trying. Um, I think a sort of fi- biblical figure for, well, what sort of effort is it, how much effort does it take to be a saint? It's no more and no less than it took for the prodigal son to get up out of his pigsty and return home to his father's house, which is at once not very much effort, right? And also some effort. And the Lord, like the father in the prodigal son, is always ready to meet us when we turn to him. The, another desert father, just, they always balance this sort of severity with grace if you, when you read them. They say, he said, Abba Alonius, he said this, if you only desire even for a single day from morning to night, you can attain to the full measure of godliness. And this is someone who like, went out to the desert and sold everything he had, and he says all it takes is one day of purity of heart, of sincere effort towards God. Um, and I think many of you I know from your own lives can testify to the value of, like when you've been on a retreat, it's been life-changing to give just a single 24-hour block to, I'm going to focus on nothing besides my own relationship with the living God. Uh, and, and how many of you have had a single one or two-day retreat that was life-changing? I think what we learn from that is that 
we shouldn't just spend one or two days of our entire life really trying to give our heart to God. Um, it should be a practice for every day. I think if we exert more effort with God's help, we will avoid the tragedy of not becoming a saint. Um, and I want to say something about this too. You know, one of the sort of paradoxes of the Christian faith is none of the saints had the goal of, I'm going to be a saint. Because that, if that's your only goal, it still is a self-focused, right? You're kind of looking at yourself and like, oh, what am I? Am I a saint? I don't know. The thing that made them saints was that their vision was so singularly fixed on Jesus. Right? They, they actually became less interested in their own accomplishments, just no matter how wonderful they were, uh, and just more and more interested in, in fixing the, their eyes of their heart on Jesus. The psalmist says, look on him and be radiant. And I think that's a good picture for what the sanctification of the saints looks like. The more you look at Jesus, the more you're filled with his glory uh, and are able to shine it forth in your own life. It's when we take our eyes off of him uh, that we will lose, lose the plot. And really, the last thing I want to say about this is that when we look at Jesus, it's important to clarify, it's not the sort of disinterested gaze of a scientist, like just sort of looking like, okay, who is this Jesus? Um, one of the things when you look at the lives of the saints that they all have in common is that the way they looked at Jesus, the in, and I always say looked at, at the invisible Jesus, but the way they looked at him was with a look that we usually would think of how newlyweds uh, look at each other. Um, sort of a mixture of, of gratitude and, and awe and joy uh, and love. One of the things the saints have in common is that they, they really loved God. Um, they didn't just trust in him. They didn't just fear him. They didn't just obey him. They added to the, which And all those things are good and godly. But sort of the, the mark which distinguishes the saints is that they really loved him. Um, they obeyed him. You know, St. John says, uh, how do we know if we love God? Well, we obey his commandments. So there is a real clear link between obedience and love. But it wasn't the obedience of sort of a begrudging servant. It's the obedience of a, a proud son. It's like, yeah, I'll do that, God. I love you. <laughs> uh, I think that's one of the things that characterizes the saints and how they behold God. Um, and I think in this, I've, if I could give kind of one practical takeaway for, for this All Saints Day in the year of our Lord 2017, um, another tool to avoid the tragedy of not becoming a saint for your own Christian life is this practice of cultivating love for God uh, in your prayers. And when I say that, what I mean to be really clear, you know, we can, it's impossible to conjure feelings, right? You, can't, you should never even try to manufacture feelings. But expressions of love go beyond feeling, right? I, I don't only tell my wife I love her when I feel like it. It's just part of the the fabric of the relationship is just to say I love you. And probably most of you, for spouses or best friends or family members, um, express, you know, with words, I love you. And every expression sort of reaffirms the deep and real relationship that's there. You know, it's sort of a, it's a truism now of psychology of, you know, how many children uh, are, are parched with thirst for, because they don't hear those words, right? I love you. The happiest families are ones where the love is expressed clearly with words. And the same is true, I think, in God's family. All of the saints 
uh, express their love for God. They don't just go around telling other people, oh yeah, I love God. They tell God that they love him in their prayers regularly. God, I, I love you. Um, and so I, what I'd encourage you to do is uh, to add expressions of love into the tapestry of your prayer life. Maybe you do this already, some of you, but if you haven't considered it, I encourage you to try it. Um, whether it's a, a set time of prayer that you use or uh, just through the day, to say, just pause and say, God, I love you. Father, Jesus, I love you. I'm so grateful for the love that you have for me, and I, I want to love you more, and I love you. <laughs> just to affirm that the way we would in a good, any good loving relationship. I think um, to express with our hearts and with our words our love for God, um, it's fuel for the fire of the Holy Spirit. It thickens the bond and the experience of God's presence. And I think it's really through love, through the connecting with the love of God, that a life of joyful obedience, the life of a saint kind of springs forth. I think if we have that peace um, built into our prayer life with God, we will be transformed into real saints. And the tragedy that Leon Bloy said uh, will be averted. And really, I'm saying all this because this is my great hope for this parish. I, I sort of got this vision as I was writing this sermon of like 70 years from now when every one of us is dead and in the ground. And this idea of what if the people who are members of the church then, who are saints in the making, told stories about things that happened in our lives where God's power was demonstrated because of our total love for him and commitment to him. I mean, I just thought, you know, the church has always passed down these stories of the saints. And I remember St. Peter in prison and St. Lawrence being roasted on the gridiron and St. Stephen being stoned to death. And, and what if they said sort of like, oh yeah, and this one time St. Clair asked God for this and they did it and, and God did it. And we saw God work in this parish. Um, and the stories of us saints got added into the encouraging witness uh, for the faithful soon to be. That's, that's my, it kind of came to me like a flash as I was writing the sermon. I, that's my prayer and my hope for us as a parish that we won't settle for what so many Christians settle for, just this sort of average Christian expression, um, but that we would kind of go for gold, which is what God wants us to go for, um, to be made the saints that he's called us to be. And, that, and then we, that we would be joined with that white-robed chorus uh, that we read about in Revelation, giving glory to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.